Welcome to our latest edition of EIU Panthers podcast, as we are slowly jumping into our third season. I'm your host, Rich Moser. This week, we talked to new EIU men's soccer coach, Josh Oakley. Oakley grew up as a local kid at nearby Mattoon and previously worked as an assistant coach with the Panther men's soccer program. We talked to him about his coaching journey and what has brought him full circle as he gets set to coach a program that he knows a little something about. We are now in our third season of EIU Panthers podcast and Consolidated Communications is a proud sponsor of EIU Panther Athletics. Want to learn more about broadband for your home or business? Then visit consolidated.com today. EIU Panthers podcasts are available for fans to listen to in a variety of ways. Listen to the latest episodes or any of our archived episodes by searching EIU Panthers podcast wherever you listen to your podcast. We're available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, SoundCloud, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, and recently, Amazon Podcast. EIU Athletics season opens up this weekend as EIU Women's Soccer takes to the pitch for an exhibition match at Illinois, the first of three preseason matches for the women's soccer team. EIU season tickets for football are still available for renewal and new sales, while single game tickets are now on sale. Tickets can be purchased online at EIUPanthers.com or by calling 217-581-2106. Fans can also support EIU student-athletes by taking part in a -a one-of-a-kind raffle for EIU Athletics. The winning raffle ticket will win two tickets to this year's Super Bowl, donated by EIU alumnus and NFL Super Bowl coach Mike Shanahan. Five-night stay in Glendale, Arizona, and $1,000 in travel cash. More information on how you can take part is available at EIUPanthers.com with tickets available until early October and the winning ticket set to be drawn at the October 15th homecoming game. Now to this week's episode of EIU Panthers podcast with new men's soccer coach, Josh Oakley. Hey, welcome to another edition of EIU Panthers podcast. We are now joined by Josh Oakley. He is one of a handful of new faces at Eastern Illinois, but not a new face to people that grew up in Charleston or Mattoon. Josh is originally from Mattoon. So I guess, Josh, welcome back to the area. To a lot of people have probably reached out to you and, you know, welcomed you back. You, you grew up in Mattoon, so not unfamiliar to, to some of the faces that are around Eastern Illinois. Yeah, thanks, Rich. I'm excited to be back. Um, plenty of work to do, but it's so special to be able to do it at home uh, and and to be able to continue to pursue my passion of coaching soccer, especially at the collegiate level. So really, really excited to be part of EIU again. Now for you, I talked about you you grew up in Mattoon. I don't, I think I asked you this. I don't think you were born in Mattoon. Your dad is a, I want to, was a teacher or a high school administrator. Maybe he was both. um, And maybe that's a a bad thing to say as a kid who grew up as, as a, you know, if you're the parent who everybody else is nobody wanted to go to your house because your dad was the teacher or the the administrator. I'm not I'm not sure exactly on the background there. If you you can give that, I'm sure people will correct me if I don't have that correct. So I'll I'll have you set the record straight. Sure. Yeah. My dad, Coach Oakley, um coached many sports. Uh he he actually started his high school uh high school coaching career up by DeKalb, where I was born. He was doing his master's degree at Northern Illinois. He's actually born and raised in Mattoon as well. So he's okay. got a lot of family and, 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 and everything there. Um, 
but that's where he got his first dose of soccer. I know he was a, a high school teacher for a long, long time, and, and he coached many sports, started with basketball, which there's a correlation there between the two. So um, did, did a lot of track and field, which is a, a really cool sport. So I grew up around a lot of different sports and sporting events. Track and field happened to be one of my most favorite, uh, and it still remains to, to this day to be to be an awesome thing. I watched a lot of the uh, world championships when I had a chance the, the, over the last couple of weeks. So, uh, but dad, dad also coached a little football, a little Amer- American football, I think for, for a little, a little while, but mostly, mostly it was uh, basketball, uh, track and field and soccer. And then he got the opportunity to, to start a soccer program at Mattoon high school in the eighties. So that's mm-hmm. kind of um, kind of a big reason I think why our family ended up back here. Okay. And so you kind of, I would, I've always asked when I, when I do the podcast, I always am interested with our coaches, kind of how they got into the sport, even with our athletes, how they got into the sport. It sounds like you may not have had much of a choice. Probably it sounds like mom and dad threw a, a soccer ball down in front of you and, and off you went. Well, I, I, I was fortunate enough to, uh, enough to grow up around it and, and just kind of be involved in all those things. So it was, uh, it was exciting for me. And yeah, when, I guess when you get to it, um, of course, I'm like every other kid, love love some basketball, but I never grew taller than about five foot eleven inches. So, yeah. <laughs> uh, so it's I think soccer seemed to be seemed to be the right um, the right sport maybe to get into at the time for me. But no, it was uh, it, it was great to grow up in a in a family of public school teachers and 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 coaching, and, and uh, so I've kind of kind of carried that carried that on forward, and and you know re- reaching reaching as high as I can go, I think for um, for, for coaching and success in, in the coaching field. So just really, really happy uh, the way I grew up. Now, Mattoon probably not really considered a, a hotbed for for soccer at, at really any level, but I think that's kind of grown. And, and maybe part of that is you're nestled, where you're kind of nestled at. I, I, St. Louis for years has kind of been maybe under-respected, under-thought of as, as really a good soccer area. I think even Indianapolis and suburban Chicago. So probably soccer bigger in central Illinois than maybe people are aware of. Um, I think you're absolutely spot on. It just, it just doesn't seem to be that hotbed. And then especially 25 years ago, it's a lot different. And and I I look and I reflect on some of the names that have have come out of central Illinois. And I kind of branched the central Illinois area a little bit more than just Mattoon and Charleston, probably, you know, up to Champaign, over to Decatur, Springfield. Uh, I just think of, of some products in Eastern Illinois that uh, that were local that that have come to to, to great careers or, or, or very good players there. I mean, uh, and and as I recollect, there's there's many names. So, uh, yeah, I totally agree. Though you're not going to uh, to to be shocked, I think, uh, by the, by the amount of talent and teams in central Illinois, but it has come a, it's come a long way, um, from, from, like I said, 20 to 25 years ago, the, the, the hotbeds and the, the areas, you know, obviously where the most players come from Chicago suburbs, St. Louis, uh, actually a lot of the Midwest spent the last many years in Michigan, um, Michigan, Indiana, Ohio, Illinois, that there's just so many quality players and, and you're coming from different, different parts of the state as well. But yeah, most generally those, those high population areas where you're going to find more of the talent, but that's, what's so uh, interesting and intriguing about a, a place like EIU. Uh, there's, there, there's some talent. You just have to get to really look for it. And uh, the location of the school uh, in and amongst that 
um, I think kind of, kind of sums it up. So we'll look for, we'll look for wherever the talent is whenever. And, and I think it's a little bit better in central Illinois and it continues to grow. Now for you, you grew up playing soccer in Mattoon, Eastern Illinois, only eight or 10 miles away from Mattoon, depending on where you look at when the borders stop, where the, where the borders start and stop for you. You did not play college soccer at Eastern was that kind of by choice? Do you want to, sometimes I know kids want to get out of the area. I don't know maybe where the program was at, at that time. If, if you felt like you were talented enough to, to come to Eastern or maybe you just wanted a, a change of pace. Well, um, great question. I definitely, uh, I'll definitely answer it as best as I can. I think, um, I think though, the important thing is, you know, coming back to coach at EIU is and I kind of prepped for some of these questions that you might throw yeah. my way. I think there are so many great, um, great coaches that maybe didn't even play the game. And I think the the way the way it's going um, in in soccer, but I, th I think in, in other sports in general, I could throw some college basketball names out at you. I, I don't think Mick Cronin played college basketball, no. and there's another guy from up here in Michigan, uh, Tom Cream. He was actually a coach where I coached a little bit um, at a Division three school and started as a student assistant coach. He didn't play college basketball. So uh, I'm not saying that, um, that that makes you any more or less of a coach. I just think it kind of changes a little bit. So I, I was kind of prepping for that question, to be honest with you, having not, not uh, talked to you about you know, some of the questions that are coming my way. But obviously, I'm coming back to Eastern Illinois to be the best coach I can possibly be for this for the school and the program really has nothing to do with where I played or how I played or, or, or what I did. But to answer your question, um, back in the day, uh, I was exposed to a lot of different levels and Eastern Illinois had a great team um, in, in those in that late 90s frame and and back in then. But um, I think it came down to maybe I was just like a lot of kids who I'll have conversation with and talk to, I, I, you know, Division One and Eastern Illinois is certainly one of those schools. And, you know, I want to play at the highest level possible. And I think that's great. Um, but I was exposed to a lot of different levels. Uh, I ended up at an NAIA school um, in the state next to us in Indiana. And then I ended up at a Division Three school after that in, in the state of Illinois. But but, you know, three or four hours away from from where I grew up. Yeah, it was a little bit that. Um also thought that, you know, potentially uh, smaller schools could offer a little something different. Yep. Um, but then I look at Eastern Illinois, and, and when you put it up to a lot of schools, at Eastern Illinois kind of can be considered a small school. You certainly get that feel, um, which I think is really attractive for, for young student athletes because they get to play Division One collegiate athletics, and they get the feel of a, of a little bit smaller public school, which is, which is really cool. But, but yeah, that was, that was kind of my journey. Uh, it, and it, and it wasn't just through one school or just one place. I was able to come back and get a, a master's degree at Eastern Illinois, which was probably um, uh, the time that I was most fond fond of. Uh, obviously, didn't get to play anymore, but uh, that kind of kick started my coaching career. Um, so I got to I got to coach alongside Adam Howarth, the, um, who also played at EIU. And when I was a kid, to go back to to some of your question, when I was a kid, I, I kind of grew up on the soccer program because it was so close and. Um, Coach Oakley and a lot of other coaches that I had along the way um, were always saying, get over to Eastern Illinois and watch some quality soccer. And it, and it really was. I mean, I remember it back in the, in the 80s um, when we had some, some really big names come to the program and coach the program as well. Uh, great amount of success. And uh, it was just always, always really easy to come over and, and, to, and to get involved in, in supporting the Panthers. So to, 
I actually step back many years later and be the the head coach of EIU. It's just a, it's a real honor. And, and I'm just, uh, I'm blown away. So I know there's a lot of work to do and, and uh, a lot of that, you know, has already started and, and a lot of that is going to take some time moving it forward, but um, I'm excited to be the, to be the coach. Now, it's interesting you say that we, this is our third year of doing podcasts. Our very first guest on it was Shellis Heinemann. You talked about names when, you, when you're going to throw out there in terms of EIU soccer. Now, he is the name in EIU soccer, and the people in the soccer world know Shellis just in, in general. But you, you also were around some other names. You mentioned you got to watch some players there in the 80s as a, as a young man in the 90s, and then you were able to coach one of EIU's premier players, Jason Thompson, as an assistant coach. What was, I guess, that experience like and then now is coming back to EIU, how do you use that experience as a recruiting tool to explain to guys, you talk about, hey, you want to have the opportunity to play at the highest level, Division One. Well, now there's a whole other highest level that they can go to as the MLS has kind of grown and Jason Thompson went on and had a, a nice career playing professionally. Yes, yes. And yeah, going backtrack to those to those names, it was just a it was a real joy to to get to watch Jason and also um be a coach that got to work a lot with him. Um I, I, I coached a little I stopped just this just a little while ago, right before EIU was a was a semi-professional program. And you know, I got to work with some guys that had uh, all all kinds of different guys, a lot of division one college players. Uh, but I also got to work with some guys that, that had come from Europe. Um, just recently, there was a there was a guy on our team from uh, Romania, played Division Three in Romania, and a lot of those habits reminded me a lot of of what Jason had when I was just a young coach coming up. You know, as an assistant, I was as instructed to to be there for the players, no matter what, on the field and off the field. Um, and I, I was I'm still in good shape, and I was a decent player, so I could also do a lot of the workouts with those players. So. Mm-hmm. That was one thing that I noticed about Jason right away. When, when training was done, uh, it was done for most of the team, but not him. Uh, training always, cons- uh, always, always stretched for, for, for sometimes hours after, after training. And for me, it stretched into, uh, into the wintertime. I mean, I remember having to get, having to get, I think coach ordered some orange soccer balls or yellow soccer balls. I think they ended up camp balls, um, but they were basically uh, JT's balls uh, because, there's a, there's a kid from Dallas, Texas, who you're know, not really used to a lot of snowfall and, and that, and he wanted to get his work done. Uh, and not just, not just in the fall, he, he wanted to get it done every single day of every single season. Um, so we were out there working in, you know, January and February. And sometimes there was, there was snow on the ground, but he's, but he still is able to, to continue to work on his finishing. And uh, that's kind of what separated him. And I've seen that I've been fortunate enough to coach a handful of pros um, guys that have been in MLS, guys that are there right now, um, guys that are in other leagues, which some would consider lower leagues. You know, we had a, a player just uh, won USL League One with Omaha last year, um, and had a player uh, also just get signed to, for a, for a second division club over in Sweden called Bodens. He's the starting goalkeeper for them, and each one of those, including uh, including Jason, of course, each one of those players that I got the chance or the privilege to work with, they all had the same mindset. It was always extra time um, spending and devoted to their to their craft and, and, and be, becoming better. So it was really, really easy when I step back and look at the hundreds of young men that I've coached. 
all of those players kind of had that, that, that one thing in common. Um, and of course you, you, you have to possess a level of talent to kind of break through and get to that next, that next level, because there is a big difference. There's a big difference of all, you know, of all levels from youth into, into college soccer. And then, the, and then the level just gets even harder to attain when you get up to the, to the professional ranks. But yeah, um, being able to do that and being able that, that was my first experience as a collegiate coach is to work with somebody like, um, like Jason and, and, and his work rate. So the guys, uh, the current guys in Eastern Illinois will get a healthy dose of, of who came before them, because I do think it's really, really important. And obviously you mentioned a name, Shellis, uh, words, you know, it's hard to get out words when you, when you take a coach that does what he did at EIU, then, then a long, long career at SMU. And then next thing we know, we're watching him play for an MLS cup final. Um, I still remember that. I think it was in Toronto that they played the game and we're, we're all asking why, why in the heck are you playing in Toronto in late November, early December? Um, and then I think he came back to college coach. He did. He came back to, to a program, started another program. Um, so yeah, that, that's, uh, that's some pretty cool beginnings at, at, at EIU is where it all started. And I was actually an assistant coach when, when Shellis went into the hall of fame at, at EIU. I still remember that day. So it was a pretty special day. Now you talked a little bit about your stop right before here as you were coaching at, at a semi-professional level. And, and it's interesting on that. And I, learning more kind of about those levels that are available. You, you talked about how soccer has kind of grown the MLS. Now there's the USL, there's, there are several minor leagues, very similar to where players can build themselves up. Like I would say very similar, like a minor league, like professional baseball set up to where people can do play in the major leagues, but you get drafted into these other leagues and to work, work your way up towards that. The semi-pro is a mixture of guys that are getting paid, but also college players and on that team, you coach several guys that are, that are Eastern guys, Shadi Omar, who just finished, but also Munir Shirelli, who will come back this year. What was it like to get to coach those guys and then knowing now you're going to be their head coach at a college level? Yeah, it's pretty, uh, pretty crazy, pretty nostalgia, really. Uh, I, I actually get to work with Shadi when he was 15 years old. Uh, I coached the club team over here in the Lansing area because I, I I was in Lansing for 12 years. So, and then I uh, got getting to know Mooney just in the local soccer scene. So to be able to coach those guys um, at a high level uh, was really really special. After after watching them uh, go through the youth ranks here, um, because everybody everybody kind of knew who they were, and um, and like I said, as a coach, I got a chance to work with them a little bit when they were young. So go back and to work with them at a, at a, at, a, at a much higher level after they've been established a little bit playing division one college soccer, pretty cool. Uh, and then, and what added to that was just a lot of the success that we had, you know, Lansing, they, they, this, this particular club that, that is now Lansing common was born out of a lot of other frustrations of other professional or semi-professional teams that had runs here. And, and it was a cool concept because a lot of the fans, uh, after the last one, we actually had a USL one team here, a full pro. And uh, they played in the outfield of uh, the Lansing Lugnuts. So uh, not necessarily the greatest venue for soccer, but you see that a lot too. And, and uh, something happened and it, it only lasted for a season. And there were a lot of fans kind of left very disappointed because the product was good. Uh, Lansing in the state of Michigan it, it has good soccer, a lot of great players. Um, so they kind of, they kind of packed up and, and left town and it left a lot of people frustrated. So they wanted to find a way to, to kind of start, uh, a, a very semi-professional, um, 
type of program. And they did that with uh, donor money and memberships and all that. And at the time I was an NAIA coach. So I made it a little bit more um, within reach to, to do something like that, to kind of, to kind of pair up both um, just because of the, there's just more, more rules, more stipulations in the NCAA, what you can do, who you, who you can't coach, whatever, NAI a little bit looser that way. So I decided to kind of do both at the time. Um, and then it kind of, it, it kind of blossomed into this, a very, very good opportunity to work with some great players that became more of a full-time gig, but not necessarily full-time pay, but, but full-time gig. So to, to be able to have a part in, a part to play in Lansing soccer, not just through the, through the club with, with Shetty and Mooney as, as youth, but to also do it, um, you know, when they, when they were older. And, and I think we had something like 75% of our team in both years were from the, from the Lansing area. So a lot of, a lot of last year, it was a lot of Michigan state players, Western players, but getting them all together, um, it, it formed a really tight bond and it formed some, uh, some, some, teams that played some really good soccer and and Mooney and Shetty were a big part of that so that was really really cool to, to be able to work with them and now yeah you get you get the opportunity and Mooney's got one more one more fall to go so you get the opportunity to actually have somebody that I know and know well um who is a very good good uh I would say blossoming leader he, he leads in a much different way uh but it's it's a pure way Mooney is a is a, is a man of high character and and, and you know He's gonna he's gonna do some good things, I think, in his senior year for our squad. Now you talked about an emerging leader. You come into a team that really has a lot of veterans on it. It's kind of been built over the last couple of years. A lot of this roster was built during the the COVID shutdown from a couple of years ago, and during the timing of a coaching change, this was isn't the ideal time. You were hired actually during the summer. None of the guys were here. How have you gone about really kind of getting to know the guys or will some of your, I'm, I'm guessing some of your first face-to-face -face interactions will be when they report for camp here in the next couple of days. Yes, that's true. Um, it's always, it's always more convenient. I think to maybe have a spring season under your belt, get hired, you know, in the normal hiring period, that first hiring period kind of between the end of the, the regular season, Thanksgiving time, all the way over into January, it gives you a little bit of time to, to maybe do some recruiting as well, bring in some players and, and also most importantly, get to know the current players. So that's been a challenge in three weeks. You know, uh, one thing was, was reaching out to every single one of them. It was, it was attempted, but we got some players coming from uh, a long ways away. So most of the players uh, were, were contacted and we were able to have good conversation. Uh, it was, it was basically just a few questions from them because they all, they, Obviously, most people, most players are going to have a lot of questions. Yeah. Uh, and then a few key questions from me just to kind of, I, I know I maybe confused a couple of the guys, but they were just questions based on um, trying to get a philosophy for the way they like to play the game, um, the level of competitiveness in the players. Uh, and, and I know that um, no coaching change or no, no turnover is very easy at times. Um, but I'm excited to work with players because the, the one thing that's consistent when asking questions about the team, uh, the feedback I'm getting is it's, it's a close knit team. It's a bonded team. Uh, it's a, it's a full kind of family and a group. And that, that may change with eight newcomers coming in minimum of eight newcomers this year. Um, but I think that's a really good starting point. Uh, and nobody can, we can't confuse it and say, okay, you know, a new coach, this and that and new horizons and everything's just going to change from one way to the next. Now it, it's, it's still a lot of the same players. Um, 
and it, and it will be a challenge, I think, from day one because you know you look at the program and you look at you look at some of the some of the challenges that have that have gone with the program. I think I'm the fourth fourth coach in the in the last eight years. Um, maybe maybe a fourth and nine, but that's a lot of that's a lot of different coaches, a lot of different faces. Eiu and um, that comes with with challenges. So I know the guys are ready to to get to work though, and and the important thing for me is it, it's their season. It's it's really about their season. It's not about me coming in and laying down the the you know the law and saying we're going to play this way because I do plan to be here for a lot of years, a lot of years. Yeah. But I think the first thing that's most important is the current players that that we do everything we can to take care of them, their needs, and and to to help them reach their full potential um, as a as a group of individuals, but but most importantly as a team. So. That's going to be important from day one, you know, just just making sure that they they understand they have a huge stake in 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 this. So now you may have kind of already alluded to how you answered this, but I'm going to I'm going to ask it in a elongated version here. You've been a head coach at, at several different stops, so you have already maybe in your mind developed a style of play that you think works, a style of player that you want to recruit you just kind of mentioned it there you have a very veteran tight-knit team as you walk in this year do you feel like you have an idea of a philosophy you want to play a style play let's say an English style a German style a an Australian style whatever whatever you know style it may be do you slowly impose that or do you really gravitate to what you have this year and then recruit to your style down the road yeah, that's an, another good question, and it's certainly the buzzword, probably in a lot of sports, but it's most certainly in soccer. You know, what, what style are we going to play? What are we going to do here? What are we going to do there? I think the game's dumbed down for me into to three things: you score goals, you stop goals, and you and you are good in transitions. So, just a little glimpse into the way we are going to train. There's going to be those moments, those three three very 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 important moments, and when you do a little bit of a review of how you score most of your goals. Uh, in, in most competitions, 30%, right around that, maybe 35 are scored on dead ball situations. So set pieces, corner kicks, free kicks, penalties, you know, that type of thing. Any Anytime you have a, a dead ball situation, a dead ball situation for me is definitely throw-ins. So, so throw-ins is a very important part of, of uh, the way I like to play, believe it or not. So um, that's number one. And transition moments, I mean, you see it a lot. That's why I drew some parallels with the sport of basketball. You see a lot of those times where, where teams in basketball score a lot of transition points. Well, that's the uh, other the other moment where a lot of goals come from. Not, not just all dead balls, big percentage from dead balls, but there's another big, big, big percentage from transition moments. And most of those moments are when you're defending and then all of a sudden you've won the ball back and now you're attacking. So those type of moments as well. And that that basically, I think, probably accounts for 80 to 90% of goals scored. So... Those things are going to be huge. Uh, I like to call it, you know, dy dy dynamism or dynamic soccer. Um, there's a lot of little pieces, I think, that the guys will understand that I kind of harp on. I just mentioned it. One of them is a, a throw in. One of them is any time we restart anything, the ball goes out of bounds. Um, whether you're defending or attacking, it's, it's just critical moments. So there'll be a lot of those those type of moments gone over in training and that that kind of goes hand in hand with my, I guess, my style or philosophy. I have, I have over the course of 22 years come up with, you know, a written down couple paragraphs about the way the game should be played 
And I think you can do that with just about any type of player. But to your point on on how you recruit and, and what type of players you're looking for, certainly there there is uh, different players that will catch my eye, um, just like different players will catch different coaches' eye. Uh, I love to attack wide spaces. I think a lot of times on the on the soccer pitch, uh, things get things get dumbed down too much to hey, you just got to have control of this midfield area. You got to have control of the central part of the the field, and that is true. You know, you come inside, and you're you're a problem inside that that does open up flanks. But I don't think flanks and wide spaces are used enough in the game. And and case in point, there's there's still a lot of goals being scored off crosses. I don't care who you are, whether you're Manchester City or or um, any other team, what what have you, a team in the in the championship or the team in lower leagues, you're, you're going to score goals off crosses. It just happens. It's always happened, and it's going to continue to happen in the game. So there's another piece uh, to the coaching philosophy. We're gonna we're certainly going to train on crossing crossing the football as much as we can. So. Um, but yeah, as as we as we get as we get into this, you cannot introduce, I don't think, um, a, a style or shape or, or anything like that within two weeks, and 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 make it you know solid for the for the rest of twenty years. It's kind of an ongoing process, but certainly there will hopefully uh, be a way that we play that'll that'll reflect some of my ideals. But like I said before on your previous question, I think the guys the guys are going to be a big part of this. So you're not going to come in and just say, okay, we're going to play this particular shape because, you know, Tottenham play that way. And I love it. Uh, no, we're going to play, you know, the way I think in a, in a way or a shape or a formation or a system and in, in, in what's going to be, give us the greatest chance of results for the type of players that we have. So, and that's where the guys, and, and also the guys have to be bought in too, because um, players are much different now. Uh, they're different in the way they condition. They're different in the way they think. They're different in the way they play a lot, a lot of a lot of guys than they were 25 years ago. And as a coach, that's been a big thing for me is being able to lend an ear um, and an eye to that. So, and it's big big for a coaching change too. When, when you come in, new coach comes in, um, you want to allow the players to that leeway to be themselves. So, that's certainly going to be also in the other in the other uh, mirror or the other eye for me. So. Okay. And then we'll just kind of wrap up here. I think, I think I'm going to know where your answer is going to go on this already, but by two names you threw out as you were just having describing style of play there, but is there a, a certain style or a team that you enjoy watching? Not saying that this is the coaching style, but uh, you threw out Manchester city, you threw out Tottenham. So I'm guessing that you're a premier league guy, but uh, you may completely throw me off and, and tell me you like Bundesliga or something else. <laughs> No, I love it. I love it, Rich. Thank you for uh, throwing out some of that knowledge there. Um, I've been a, a Spurs supporter since 1989, and, and a lot of a lot of people, you know, especially Yanks, we jump on bandwagons. Um, back in 89, 90, believe it or not, I'm, I'm I'm old enough that I don't think I think City may have been in the second tier. They they actually were. They were in the late 80s or early 90s, I believe. I'm not a city supporter, but, but they weren't even in what would be considered the Premier League right now. So sometimes you get those, who go, oh, man, I like city because I like the, the color of their uniforms. Or what? No, I, I always liked Spurs because they had a couple of really great players uh, back in the day that I, I always liked to watch as a, as a, as a young player. Uh, amazingly, though, you couldn't get much. You could not get much Premier League soccer in that, in that time, Division One. You couldn't get it. Um, now you can get every game whenever you want, wherever you want. And it's actually a big, big part of uh, American culture on, on uh, every Saturday. 
So the season starting here in a, in a few days. So we're excited about that. Uh, to answer your question on teams that I've really, really appreciated or liked, uh, liked watching, um, one of them is the most recent, or, or I'd say Uruguay of the last 10 years. I really, really, really like national soccer, and you're looking at those competitions. Um, I've always been a, a, a big, big, um, I got, I'm not really supporter or fan, but just a appreciative of of Uruguay because of some of the players they have individually. Uh, Edinson Cavani is one of the best players I think I've seen uh, in the last 20 years just because I love his work rate, love his ability to score goals. I love his ability to do just about anything that you can expect a striker or a, a forward type of player to do. Um, he goes in where it hurts. He just works really, really hard. And then obviously they're blessed with a lot of uh, technical talent. So I, I love watching that. And, you know, they're getting older, so it's going to be exciting to see what Uruguay can do in the, in the, in the World Cup coming up um, in, in November. It's crazy to say. But I, I really appreciate watching them. And then uh, secondly, um, Jurgen Klopp, who's a big coach now, big well-known coach at Liverpool, but going back a little ways to, this, to his time in the Bundesliga um, at Dortmund, what he was able to do with his teams and the way he was able to compete uh, at the very top of, of German soccer. Uh, especially with teams like Bayern Munich, when Bayern's taking their best players all the time. So what he was able to do with that team and just some of his philosophies, and especially in the counter-pressing, uh, was very, very impressive to me. So uh, I would say those those two teams, are they, they come to mind, uh, and it would be great. It would be great to see little flashes of that over time uh, at EIU because I think those are uh, that's winning soccer. Well, Josh, I appreciate your time. I know you're up in, in Michigan as we record this, you and your wife who is also an Eastern alum. So I'm sure she's happy to maybe to get back to, to Charleston, Mattoon and some old stomping grounds as well as I know you guys are trying to, to wrap up a house there and, and buy, a, buy a home down here. So we look forward to you getting back down here and getting the soccer season started. Yeah, it all starts uh, in a few days. So we're really, really excited. Yep. A couple things to do, but um, we'll, we'll be there ready to go. All right. Appreciate your time. Thanks, Josh. Thanks again, Rich.